And uh, it's kind of funny because where I've been preaching at is uh, a lot different church than what you guys have here. And that's a good thing. Because I was teasing Jim a little bit. I said, Jim, I'm used to teaching or, and, and preaching in a church that's uh, got some issues. <laughs> I said, you guys are pretty healthy, man. What's going on? So anyway, he told me what was going on. And, and uh, so I said, man, I'd be honored. You guys stay doing what you're doing. We're going to be praying for you guys. And uh, so it's, it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to see uh, dear family members and fellow Christians that I've known for quite a while. And so it, it is quite an honor. Uh, this week has been a, a really tough week after I got the call from Jim, and uh, then I called him back after talking to my pastor and such, and we agreed that we can, we can make this work for sure. But uh, I didn't foresee a, an issue coming up that uh, I've been struggling with all week, and I've actually lost a lot of sleep over it. And I was really praying about, Lord, what do you want me to bring today? What do you want me to say? Um, I want you to work in and through me. I want, I want to get myself out of the way, right? Christ seems to increase, and I must de- decrease. And, uh, but this issue kept coming up, and I'm like, Lord, this thing is stealing my joy, and I don't, you're the joy that lies within me, and I want to, want to honor you in this, and I know you've got this, so how can I just really give it to you and just let go and know that you're going to, you're going to use me and others as you see fit. And so that peace is there, but I want to talk about that this morning. So before we do that, let's go ahead and open in prayer, and, uh, and then we'll start. Father God, we just thank you for the time that you've given us together, Lord. I thank you for all the families that are involved here. I thank you for this church. And Lord, we just thank you for all the blessings. We see you at work in our lives. We see you at work in our communities. Uh, Lord, we see you at work um, in our state and in our nation, Lord. And even though there's so much evil in this world, Lord, we know that, uh, that you're in charge. We know that uh, you've got us. And we know that you work all things out to the good of those who, you, who, who love you, Lord. And Lord, we love you. And we praise you. Father, at this time we lift up Kim and Jill, Lord, uh, we just continue to pray for them, especially Jill, Lord. We ask that you will continue to work that miracle that you've been working, that you will continue to lay your healing hand upon her. Lord, you are the great physician, and you created her perfectly, Lord. So, Lord, let the, let the doctors and everybody involved just uh, work through them and in them, Lord, and continue to be uh, with this body of believers, Lord. We also lift up all the other churches on the mountain that are Bible-believing churches, Lord, that they will continue to bring the word, Lord, and that we will all be noisy little sunbeams in this community, Lord, that we, will be, uh, that we won't hide our lights under a bushel. No, we're going to let them shine, Lord. And they're going to shine for you, Lord. This is all for you, Lord. It's all for your glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. All right, so we're going to be coming out of, out of uh, we're going to start in Psalms. We're going to be kind of going around a little bit. Psalms 30, verses 1 through 5 is where we're going where we're to start. Uh, the title of my sermon today is Joy In and Joy Out. And... Uh, at times, it's tough to be, it's tough to have that joy or to show that we are <laughs> joyous with, you know, Christ in us. Sometimes we're just not like that. Some of us have to wait till we have a couple cups of coffee in the morning before <laughs> that starts to shine, right? But Psalm 30, verse 1 through 5, it, it goes like this, guys. Um, it's a psalm, a, a song, it's a dedication of the house of David. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up. And I have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you, and you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. 
For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but the joy comes in the morning. What does that look like for me? And like I said, I, I share with you guys, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling right now. That struggle is going to be ongoing. It's not going to go away anytime soon. And it's okay, though, right? Because I know who's in charge. But reminding my fleshly body of that is hard to do. My mind likes to wonder, right? I can even sit down and say, I'm going to really pray about this. I'm going to get in deep about this. And then I'm just like any other guy, squirrel. You know. Or I fall asleep. Or, you know, I say, oh, Lord, forgive me. Let me get back to where I need to be. It's hard sometimes. But Psalms is a great reminder, right? When you look at David and, and all that he went through, And when we often think, so think of psalms, we think of um, praise psalms. And, and praise psalms are great, and they're the second largest category of psalms after laments or lamentations, which simply means a passionate expression of grief, often in music, poetry, or song form. In praise psalms, we, we, glorify, the, we glorify God commend, in commending Him or lifting up. That's what, that's what praise psalms are. And they generally fall into a couple different categories. You can... Uh, one of them is it relates to God and what he has done on a particular occasion. Um, the other one is describes his attributes and the acts he typically performs for people. Right? Each praise psalm has several segments or elements to them, and I'm going to share those with you now. There's three parts. One is exhortation. Exhortation basically is to sing to or praise the Lord. We just did that. Wonderful time of worship. Number two, naming. Naming of those who are being exhorted to praise. A lot of times that is going to be the Lord. But many times he uses saints in our lives, and we're going to be praying on their behalf. Number three, reasons. The reasons for praising God. What has he done, right? And these all get us ready for worship. They get our hearts ready to draw close to our, to our Heavenly Father. And I can tell you, I have to look back at my life. I have to look back at what I call the spiritual mile markers in my life, right? To remind me of what he has done at certain points in my life. Because I can tell you, there are certain, certain points where I knew he was there, and yet I was too stubborn and hard-headed to know he was working in me and through me, even when I didn't want him to. Some keep a journal. I think that's a great idea, keeping a journal of your prayers, things that you've asked him for, so that you can look back and see where he has answered those, right? Often referred to them as Ebenezer moments, and that simply means when God helped us through our situation. And I can tell you, being a youth leader for years, um, and, and even now I still participate a little bit in the youth, not so much as I did back then, but I get to interact with them. I get to see how they talk to each other. And it's, inter it's interesting to see that on different days, depending on how they have been treated at school or at home, good or bad, it's generally how they treat others, right? It, it bleeds off into how they communicate with one another. So we have to talk with them. We have to continue to remind them, hey, you don't act like that in here, you know, if they got their nasty pants on. But oftentimes us Christians are the same way, right? We're... we're tossed around by the world when we're out working our jobs or when we're out doing things or trying to minister to others. 
even trying to deal with other Christians, sometimes we can have our nasty pants on with one another. And it's sad because when you're trying to especially minister to new Christians, if they see that, a lot of times they'll run from the church and not want to come back. So worldly, worldly influence has a lot to do with how we are doing generally. How we are on a day-to-day basis. Especially during this season of election ads. Is anybody tired of those yet? The signs, the ads, you never know who's telling the truth or who's doing what. I don't know about you, but I can't wait till it's over, amen? <laughs> Bring on the end of November. Just <laughs> Let's just get to there, okay? I work for a, uh, a big corporation up here. And uh, a while back, we had to have some training. And the training was on positivity and negativity in the workplace. And one of the things that stuck with me was a study that was done regarding the factors going into what makes it positive versus negative and the outcome that it affects. And they focused on words. Words was a huge motivating factor, okay? Those that were being positively reinforced had more joy, which meant better attitudes, better productivity, a better work environment. And one thing that caught my attention was a a statistic that was given, which was for every negative comment received, three positive comments were needed to negate that one negative comment. It's a three-to-one ratio. So if it's like that in the secular world, Where is it in the realm of the spiritual world, the church, us dealing with one, with one another, how we speak to each other, what our tone is? We may be praying for somebody, but if our tone is off, right, that's a hard deal. A good description of joy is an inward hope and exuberance despite outward circumstances. Joy differs from happiness, which relies generally on favorable circumstances. Let's turn over to Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2, which is a Psalm of David. It's titled, The Joy of Forgiveness. And it goes like this, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Isn't it wonderful, loved ones, to have forgiveness? That's what brings us our joy, to know we have Christ, to know we have a Savior that came and paid a price for us, right? We sing the song at Christmas time, joy to the world, the Lord has come. He has come. And he lives in us and works through us. It's an inside job, right? It starts in here, and it reflects in the overflow of our heart, how we speak to others, how we talk to others, how kind we are. And I know it's hard to be kind sometimes to others, especially in this world now. When they find out you're a Christian, oh, sometimes they throw those arrows at you. But you have to respond in kindness, gentleness, in the same way before you became a follower of Christ. 
because you needed that grace and mercy just like they did. It sometimes fires people up when I say, you've been praying for our president? I don't mean that the brakes go out. I mean like praying for him, praying for God's will be done in him and through his administration. Pray that he comes to saving faith in Jesus Christ, right? How about for Putin? You've been praying that for Putin? Puts a whole new spin on things, doesn't it? One of the overflows of having this joy in us, which is Christ, is the fruit of the Spirit. And that's found in Galatians 5, 22 through 26. And I've been reading out of the New King James Version. That's my personal favorite. That's just where I like to be. And I think you guys are up on the board is uh, CSB? Yeah? Okay. So I'll just read that rather than try to confuse you guys a little bit. So here it is. It's on my screen. I got teleprompters. Look at that. All right. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, right? Gentleness, self-control. The law is not against such things. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Those are outward show that, that those are outward signs of what's going on inside of us. Okay, and I want to talk about these nine traits. These nine traits can be broken down into different categories. Okay, the first category being this: this is our upward or our relational qualities: love, joy, peace. Right? That's our are upward relational qualities with the Lord, right? It is out of love. That's where we find our joy, and that's where we have peace because we know how this all ends. We know we're going to be in heaven. No matter what happens here on this earth, no matter how painful things get, no matter how bad things get for us, we know where our salvation is with Christ Jesus. And it's going to be worth it, every single thing we went through here on this earth. The second part, the outward relational qualities right? This is long-suffering, kindness, goodness, right? Those are our relationships with one another, aren't they, right? So the first three deal with our relationship with the Lord, right? And it paints a perfect picture of the cross because our relationship with the Lord, if it's off base, our relationship with everyone else is going to be off. It's a beautiful picture of the cross. Our relationship has to be in tune here. Just like a piano, just like a guitar, right? It's got to be in tune with the Lord. If we're not in tune with the Lord, these others don't have a chance. So, outward relational, relational, relational qualities. Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, right? And number three, the last one, is the inward or the relational qualities within ourselves. The faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control, right? These are things we are working out, are we not? Because we're not perfect all the time. Right? We're a work in progress, right? We should put a construction around our bodies and minds and hearts under construction, right, by the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we're, we're working it out, right? Until we go home with him, that's the glorification part. But these nine character traits that Paul lists here in Galatians are what the Holy Spirit produces in the believer's life. 
if you are a Christian, I can look into your life and I can see these. They should be evident, okay? If they're not evident, then it's a relational problem. It's here. This is broken right here, and it needs to be repaired. John 15, 11, right? Here's some encouragement for you. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full, right? Jesus said that he, he comes that we may have life, and we may have it more abundant. And we have to remember that. It's hard to remember in this day, y'all. It is, life is hard. You see the ads on TV, you see the stuff going on around us, you hear about all the horrible things, because that's what makes the news, right? The horrible stuff, that's what gets the ratings up. So that's what they're pumping out to us all the time. It's tough. Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep with lament, but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. John 16, 21 and 22. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Verse 22, therefore you now have sorrow, but I see, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. No one can take my relationship with Christ from me. No one will take that joy from me. I'm going to struggle. I may have a bad day here and there. <laughs> I have a four-year-old, y'all. I may have more bad days than good, because who knows what buttons to push. But in the end, it's joyful. When I hear him pray at dinner time, bust out a prayer to the Lord, right? It's wonderful. It's wonderful to hear that, right? Manny, you heard it. Right? To hear that little four-year-old, and pray for all the people in the hospital. And it's great, right? Kids are awesome. They just, they just lay it out there. They're just brutally honest. I love it. So they bring us joy, right? Until they get to the teenager stage. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They still bring us joy. It's just different aspect at that time. So. But yeah, I love children, right? They're so brutally honest, and they bring us such joy. Speaking of joy, I want to share a couple letters from children. These letters come from children about age nine, 8, 9, and 10. And these are letters that they sent to their pastors, okay? And I want to share them with you. The first one is from Arnold. He's age 8. says, Dear Pastor, I know God loves everybody, but he never met my sister. <laughs> the next one is uh, from Pete. He's age 9 out of Phoenix. Dear Pastor, please say in your sermon that Peter Peterson has been a good boy all week. I am Peter Peterson. Sincerely, Pete. <laughs> Dear Pastor, I'm sorry I cannot leave more money in the plate, but my father didn't give me a raise in my allowance. Can you have a sermon about a raise in my allowance? <laughs> Love, Patty, age 10. Dear Pastor, my mother is very religious. She goes to play bingo at church every week, even if she has a cold. <laughs> Love kids, man. They are brutally honest. Two more for you. My father says I should learn the Ten Commandments. But I don't think I want to because we have enough rules in my house already. 
<clears throat> and the last one. Dear Pastor, this is Ralph, age 11. I like your sermon on Sunday, especially when it was finished. <laughs> so with that being said, I'm going to begin to wind this down a little bit. But yeah, we, we have that, you know. God works through these little ones. And you can see it, you guys got little ones all over the place in here. This is great, right? Uh, the saying is, a church alive is worth a drive, but when you get there, if there's kids like this in the church, that church is alive. That church is alive, right? Praise the Lord. So having joy coming in and going out, showing that joy, showing that joy to others is tough, right? Allowing us to be noisy little sunbeams, not hiding our light under a bushel, no, as we were taught when we were little kids in Sunday school class, right? It's tough. How do we do that? Well, guys, it takes daily reading. You have to be in his word, and his word has got to be getting into you. It's on a daily basis. You've got to have it. You've got to have that bread, just like your physical body needs that food to begin every day, or coffee, you know, depending on. You, you need this, too. You need his bread, his, his word, okay? It takes daily prayer, right? I don't know about you, but Paul said you to run that race. It's a daily thing. It's, it's, you're, you're continuing. It's a continuing thing, right? I've tried to make it a practice of praying all day long as I'm going through the day. Whatever call I'm going on, the next customer I'm going to meet, whatever's going on, I'm going to be praying for them, right? It's obedience. That may strike some people. I don't know. Obedience. We do have to obey what he's asked us to do, right? We have to obey. That's all aspects of our life. Getting his word, praying, coming to church. How about your finances? Are we not allowed to talk about that? Yeah? That's, that's, it's a, it's, you know, it's there. Do it with a joyful heart, right? And here's the last one. And a lifestyle that reflects his love for us. And that is often the times where Christians lose it, right? We'll go to church, we'll read his word, we'll pray, we'll be as obedient as we possibly can, but the lifestyle only reflects that on Sunday and maybe on whatever night you guys come for Bible study. But the rest of the week, it doesn't reflect these. That's a problem. You're serving two masters and you can't do that. It'll never work. You cannot fake the joy. You either have it or you don't. And maybe some of you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior. I can tell you after church, I will be staying here just for a little bit. If you have not asked Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior, do not wait another day. Do not wait another hour. You may not get a second chance. This age of grace is going to be gone. It's going to be leaving. You can already feel the birthing pains. No pun intended for the pregnant ladies out there. You know, you could always, you can already feel them in the world, guys. It's coming. Okay. Maybe you're a Christian that's had a bad run lately. Maybe problems inside the family. Maybe problems at work. We can pray together. We can bear one another's burdens, right? I would like to end with this. James 1.12, it says this. It says, blessed is the one, and you guys talked about this, and you guys did a great job reading it. Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. 
those that love him, if you love him, it will be evident in every aspect of your life. Let's pray. Father, as we come to a close during our time this morning, Lord, we're thankful for all the blessings that you have given us. We're thankful for your word that we can read on a daily basis. We're thankful for this family. We're thankful for all the children that are, that are a part of this. We're thankful for every person that's part of this, Lord, every organization that has come, on, come alongside to, to partner. But Lord, we ask that uh, you will continue to use us as you see fit, that you will forgive us where we have failed you, Lord, that you will be with those that are hurting right now, Lord. And Lord, if, if there's someone here that is just hearing the call that they will open that door, Lord, Lord, that they will allow you to come into their heart as Lord and Savior, and we can begin that walk together. And Father, we just, again, we just praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.